Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hello, listeners. This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're doing something different tonight, Lee, aren't we? We're, start, we're starting something new. Uh, Scott couldn't be with us, but uh, we're, we're working on a new format for some of the shows that aren't working through scripture. We're trying to do little segments. And uh, so we're... We have different ideas for segments, but we're going to try that tonight. We're going to start with um, one of the Valley of Vision uh, prayers. We are. So, we do are. you want to read that, Lee, or do you want me to read that? I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to read it. Okay, you can read it. Okay. Uh, it's called Continual Repentance. And it's if you have the leather version of the Valley of Vision, it's page 136. O God of grace, thou hast imputed my sin to my substitute, and hast imputed his righteousness to my soul, clothing me with a bridegroom's robe, decking me with the jewels of holiness. But in my Christian walk I am still in rags. My best prayers are stained with sin. My penitential tears are so much impurity. My confession of wrong are so many aggravations of sin. My receiving the Spirit is tinctured with selfishness. I need to repent of my repentance. I need my tears to be washed. I have no robe to bring to cover my sins, no loom to weave my own righteousness. I am always standing clothed in filthy garments, and by grace am always receiving change of raiment. For thou dost always justify the ungodly. I am always going into the far country, and always returning home as a prodigal, always saying, Father, forgive me, and thou art always bringing forth the best robe. Every morning let me wear it, Every evening return in it, go out to the day's work in it, be married in it, be wound in death in it, stand before the great white throne in it, enter heaven in it, shining as the sun. Grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, the exceeding wonder of grace. Amen. Hey, man. Okay, so that's that's a... That that's my absolute favorite prayer devotion out of this book. And if you do not have a copy of the Valley of Vision, we highly recommend it. It's oh. it's and there it's will be my a pr- link. It's my other than the Psalms, uh, it's my prayer book. It's what I I pray from. If I'm going to pray a written prayer, uh, that's not in Scripture, it's coming from the Valley of Vision. So it's. 
it's an amazing little book. But uh, what stood out to me real quick is the line, and we talked about this before the podcast started, I need to repent of my repentance. And uh, What a line. In that, and, and then close to the end, it says, grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And we tend to not see how sinful we really are. Even believers, we, we kind of forget that everything, everything we do is stained with sin. And even, even when we repent uh, of our sin, our repentance is not good enough, frankly. No. If you think, if you think about it, we're, we're repenting, and that's great, and that's what needs to be done, but well, God and... We're, he, used, we're used to saying words that we don't mean. Right. And, and sometimes, even if you repent, it's, it's almost like you do it because you know you have to, not because you want to. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. And uh, it's just everything we do is stained with sin. And and, and then that la- the next line after the sinfulness of sin is the exceeding righteousness of salvation. And it's just uh, how where, where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. Right. And how, how much, how, how gracious our God is to forgive his people even when what he commands us to do to be saved isn't done as mm-hmm. pure as it should be. And, you know, even though uh, salvation isn't fair, technically, it's righteous. Oh, absolutely. Him, him granting us salvation is righteous for him to do. He's justified in doing that because, uh, well, through Christ, he, he made the way for for uh, wretched sinners to be made uh, sons and daughters of God. That's righteousness if I ever heard of righteousness before. <laughs> yeah, and, and then when uh, in this prayer it talks about, I have no robe to bring to cover my sins. Mm-hmm. And then God clothing us in, in, that, in that robe of righteousness, that the best robe. That, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that reminds me, I can't remember where it's at, but it's in Isaiah. <laughs> That's all I know. I sound like the guy that wrote Hebrews. <laughs> it's in there somewhere, he says. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's. Uh, Are you talking about the righteousness being filthy rags? Yeah, yeah, the clothed in filthy garments, our best works are as filthy rags or... It's, and then, and then, you know, your, the robe being washed in the blood and it's become whiter than snow. I can't remember where that's at either. Well, in Isaiah one, um, God says, come and let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be made whiter than snow. Okay. There you go. See, I told you it was in Isaiah. That's one of them. Um, and this this prayer, prayer poem, whatever you want to call them, um, 
also, and you kind of touched on it already, but the, one of the most striking things to me is that it's it's a it's a poetic and <clears throat> prayerful exposition of like the second half of Second Corinthians five twenty one, where it says, "Well, the whole verse is for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." And Absolutely. we see in here that imputation of Jesus' righteousness all over the place. Well, I mean, even the first line uses the word imputed. So we have a substitute who's Christ. He take He's taken our sin, so my sin is imputed to him, and in return, his righteousness is imputed to my soul, and then that is, is uh, made a metaphor as like a, a robe, a cloak. Yeah. Which is a yeah. good way to think about it because we're covered. We're covered in something, and you know we're used to being covered in clothes. At least we should be. Um, and uh, um, and it's so it's so interesting, and it's so typical. If we're going to be honest of the Christian life, it's so typical when it says that I'm always being clothed. I'm always standing clothed in filthy garments, and by grace, I'm always receiving a change of raiment. That's the whole life of repentance. That's why we're talking. We're talking about true repentance here. And when we repent of our repentance, we realize just how broken and uh, depraved we truly are. You know, we're, we're given fresh, fresh raiment. Our, our faith is is restored and fed um, because God gives grace to the humble. Yeah, and, and just the title of this, Continual Repentance, it, it, it gives you a sense of what repentance really should be. It's not something that you do once, you know, you, mm-hmm. you don't... It's not something you go up to the front of the church when they call people up that want to be saved and you right. you pray a prayer of repentance or a sinner's prayer or Put whatever. Put your hand in then, the air like you just yeah, don't care. And I mean, people that do that, that's great. But they need to understand that it's not a one and done thing. It's it's an every day, every hour yeah, thing. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a habit. I mean... Uh, one of one of my blogs, not to toot my own horn, but I think I said something like, "With every breath we take, we break the law of God," and that might be a little harsh, um, but <laughs> but it's true. I it, think it yeah, really is. It's and true. It's, There's so many ways for sin to crop up in our hearts. You know, we're we're forgiven, but we're not. We're not a finished work yet, either. Absolutely. We're not, we're not home yet. Which I think leads in pretty well to our next segment, um, which is, unless you had more to say about, about continual repentance. I could talk all night on that. <laughs> well, you know, Let's since, just move on, Lee. We'll just move on. Okay. Uh, so since, since you talked about how you know, we break the law all the time, Oh. There's a there's a clip of um, one of our favorite people to to bash, Stephen Furtick, and um, I know we've we've gotten some flack from some people before, and I I love getting flack. I don't mind. Um, it's great with maple syrup on it. You uh, you thrive on flack. I love flack. I'm I'm covered in flack right now. I had flack for breakfast this morning, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I wanted to, since we were going to start up this idea of doing some segments, I thought a good segment would be to actually, um, direct people toward maybe a a quote or a, a clip of sometimes some of these celebrity pastors that we have disagreements with 
and maybe talk a little bit about why we disagree with what they have to say. Right. And w- one of the biggest ones that we've talked about before is is a Stephen Furtick sermon, and I can't remember the time of year when he did it. I, I, I for some reason in my mind I think it was around Easter, but I could I could be seriously wrong about that. But where he was talking about God broke the law for love, and yeah. it was it struck me as so wrong on so many levels. I I couldn't even. I couldn't even put words to all my disagreements with it at one point. I think I'm better than that now. Um, I think I could probably articulate what's what's up with that now, but maybe we can take a few minutes here and both of us kind of talk about what we were what we were meaning when we disagreed with what he said about God broke the law for love. Right. And and what what I I just watched the clip again this afternoon while I was waiting on my kids to get off the bus. And he starts out this talk or sermon or whatnot with... I kind of refuse to call them sermons. Yeah, they're... He does no exposition. There's nothing, hardly anything scriptural in any of his sermons. Or if if there is, it's just a jumping off point to the the point he really wants to make. Right. But he starts it out um, uh, with a hypothetical situation of, let's say your kid gets hurt really bad and you need to get them to the hospital immediately or the emergency room, and you drive past a speed limit sign, and that's the last thing on your mind is going the speed limit. He said, in your love for your child, you break the law by speeding to the hospital, which is true. I would do the same thing. Um. But then he compares that to God sending Christ to die for us, shedding his blood for us. And he almost squeaks the gospel out, but... He comes so close. He comes so close, but it just doesn't happen. And what the first thing that struck me is when we break the law, like the speed limit... That is not that is a law that we did not create. Uh, we are subject to this law. Yeah, it's imposed on us. It's imposed on us, and we are finite. We it's are sinful. we are we, we are within the bounds of space and time and under law. God is none of those things. God is outside of space and time. God created the law god is incapable of sin and that is the that is the direct definition of sin is the breaking of god's law Mm -hmm. right so and it would be a contradiction for god to break his own law that he instituted um and what one of the ways that Furtick led into this discussion of the of whisking the child off to the ER and breaking the speed limit was he was talking about leverage, which I thought was a weird way to go into it, but he, he likes using his a buzzword, and his buzzword for this talk was leverage, and basically talking about how we use circumstances, leverage against people to get them to do what we want. He says that the law is not good leverage for lasting change, and that was kind of like like I said, another kind of catch catchword, buzz phrase, whatever you want to call it for his sermon. 
Well, right there kind of betrays his uh, his too high of a view of man's capability, as if yeah. God needed to leverage people to get him to get them to do what he wants. No, God's sovereign over everything, and he he created us. We're just lumps of clay that that he gave the ability to to walk and think and breathe and talk. Um, God doesn't need to leverage anybody to do anything. You know, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for those um, who are called to believe. So, you know, God God is sovereign. He doesn't need to leverage anyone. So I, right off the bat, I thought that was strange. And then to make that that really terrible comparison of of breaking the speed limit to rush your child to the hospital is the way that God treated his own law when he sent Jesus to accept the punishment for sin on the cross. Jesus himself taught that the law would not pass away until it was fulfilled. And fulfilled right. doesn't mean done away with. Fulfilled means fulfilled, that, it, that right. it's accomplished. Complete. Right, yeah. And Jesus was the only one who could complete the law, in other words, to follow it, from from beginning to end 100% correctly and honor God in doing so. Nobody else has the capability to do that. And to to Furtick's credit, he did say that, that none of us has the power to keep the law perfectly. Right, yeah, That's, I noticed that. It's exactly right. But he falls into the evangelical trap of, well, because we can't keep the law, and because Jesus fulfilled the law, then God actually broke the law so that we don't have to follow it. Well, no, the reason we don't follow all, you know, the 613 rules and we can eat bacon, praise God. Um, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we can wear clothes with mixed fabrics. Uh, men, uh, because some men are crazy, are allowed to shave their beards instead of grow them. <laughs> the reason we have the ability to do that is because Jesus fulfilled all those laws. So the expectation is not on us to follow those for our righteousness. So the law is a guide for us. It's intact in that way, where it's a good moral guide when it comes to our sanctification. It continually reminds us of our sin. Like Paul says, it's a paraclete. It's a uh, tutor, a guide. Um, right. And it shows us where we fall short of God's holiness. Not to condemn us, but as believers, it shows us where we fall short so we can continually run back to the throne of grace like we read in Continual Repentance in the Valley of Vision, so we can receive the fresh garb once we've dirtied up our robes with our sin. Absolutely. So no, God didn't break the law for love. In fact, he, he, he instituted the law, and he upheld the law in the, the death and resurrection of, of Jesus, because Jesus lived yeah. a righteous life, and he died the death we did deserve to die, and that every sinner deserves to die under the law. But he gives his righteousness to people who should have died to pay for their own sins because he paid for them instead. And and embedded within the the Mosaic covenant, the the law, uh, you have animal sacrifice. You have a whole book in Leviticus that speaks of these different sacrifices and what they're for, and. All the in Exodus chapter twelve, the the Passover sacrifice, the the lamb, all this is within the bounds of the law anyway, and right. all point to Christ and the crucifixion, and the shedding of His blood, the the true Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It, it all points to Him, 
and what he would do from that standpoint in time, what he would do for us, for, for God's chosen people. Right. You want to talk about a psalm? Yeah. Let's talk about a psalm. Do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Since I got to read Valley of Vision, you can read the, the inspired material for this episode. Yeah. Is it still inspired if it's in the CSB? In, in the original manuscripts, it's inspired. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very good. That's actually correct. <laughs> Our silly English language it's, doesn't do you know, it justice. If it follows enough, I think, to the original that it, it, it still falls under the umbrella. Okay. Yes, go, go forth in peace. Okay. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them there is an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here here ends the reading. I just messed that up. (laughs) I love this psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms. I just recently wrote a blog about it. And plug it in, plug it in. <laughs> uh, well, in in to kind of summarize my blog, I I tried to put all the pieces together, and and this was this is a good psalm in my opinion since I picked it to talk about when we were talking about God breaking the law for love because here we can pretty much unequivocally say David loves God's law, and oh, absolutely, he. Uh, He's able to take general revelation, telling the story of God. So that's verses 1 through 6, talking about the created order, that all the world that we see testifies to God's glory. So you can, you that, can understand from, from the created world that there is a God. Yes. Um, and I, I was going to say, Psalm 19 is kind of split in half between you have general revelation— uh, this natural theology, if you will, that mm-hmm. that we can see just by looking outside. There's order. There's life. There, everything is created, and 
this it's un- so complex unspoken and, testimony. Yeah, it's it's there, and from that, everyone deep down knows that it was created by God, whether they say they believe that or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's pretty cool how it's it's balanced between general revelation or unspoken testimony, and then special revelation or spoken testimony about God. Right. And David employs some some interesting uh, poetic language here to, to say the same thing over and over again, that God's law is perfect and it's good for us. So the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So there's all these things where because God's special revelation to us in his law, that's what he delivered to his covenant people, in following that, in in possessing it, and studying it, and in uh, teaching it, and learning it, uh, it's it's good for your soul. It restores the soul. It gives uh, instruction to people who don't have instruction. It rejoices your heart, and it enlightens your eyes, meaning that it it helps you see. It's a it's a worldview building uh, word. You know, there's a whole worldview behind Scripture because obviously it's where God is is teaching us what's what's correct, and we begin to see the world through the prism of His revelation in the Bible, and um, we would call that enlightening our eyes. Right, and I believe it's in Isaiah six when He's standing before yep the glory of the Lord that um, there's the prophecy. Keep looking but do not perceive uh, in verse nine. So it's almost as if this special revelation is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And he will only open his people's eyes to it, to his law. And ultimately this law points to not ourselves who can't fulfill it, but points to Christ who will fulfill it from David's standpoint. Hmm. Yeah, right. You know, Jesus, um, he literally enlightened some people's eyes during his ministry. You know, he healed the blind, which is another thing yeah, he, was, he was uh, spit and prophesied mud. to do. Spit, spit and mud. And dirt. See, Jesus uses means. Everything wasn't yeah. just a lightning bolt striking somebody and then they were well. Jesus always used means. Have you ever heard the one of the explanations behind why he used dirt. Did it have to do with Adam being made from the dirt? Yeah. Like, it was Uh like he was using, he picked up dirt to repair what was broken. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's just kind of an interesting idea. It's not specifically explained in Scripture, so I don't know if you can buy that, but it's just kind of an interesting way to think about it, maybe. I'm sure there's probably something to it. Oh, yeah. Remind you, you you came from dust, and I can use dust to heal you too because I'm sovereign yeah. over everything. Right. Yeah. I could I could see that. I could see that. He could have also taken a tree branch and smacked him in the head and done the same thing if he <laughs> right. wanted to. He could he could have kicked him in the gut with his biker boot. Nah, he wouldn't. Yeah. Have, he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh. So anyway, no, I'm. That's that's a good point. 
Um, so the law, the law is a good thing. And, um, if, you know, even for us under the new covenant, you know, knowing Christ being saved, um, the law is a tutor. It's a guide. It's a help in our sanctification. And, but we can still say, even though, even though we don't follow the dietary laws and all these other aspects of the law that Jesus fulfilled, we still can say, like David says in verse 10, that the judgments of the Lord are more desirable than gold, even more than much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Because the fact is that God loves his children, and we know that he loves us. Well, number one, he gave us a, a beautiful world to live in and, and to steward, but also he gave us his His word, his revelation. And he wrote it down so that it wouldn't, um, and preserved it so that it wouldn't be lost, so that believers throughout all generations would have access to the same revelation that he'd given from the beginning. That's uh, right. super and awesome and praiseworthy that we have that. And, and, and that's why we're gu- and that's why we're guys with Bibles, after all. Yeah, we're not guys with tradition. You know, we're not we're not guys with opinions, although we do have opinions. But yeah, it's got to be based on the Bible, and the Bible right. is law and gospel. Absolutely. And uh, you said something about we don't follow all six hundred and thirteen laws found in the Pentateuch, but. Christ did command us to follow the moral aspect of the law, and he summed it up in love God and love thy neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and the Ten Commandments are a great exposition of those two laws anyway. Absolutely. It's like a condensed version of the, of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Jesus even said that. And it's it's not that people that don't believe... People that don't believe even agree with the Ten Commandments, um, right? That even if they don't a, want them posted up in the courthouse, right? It, it's I mean everybody agrees. I'm well. The general consensus agrees that you you can't murder people. You can't right. you can't cheat on your wife. You can't you know try to you know take your take someone's home or wife away from them or their property or can't steal. Everybody knows this stuff. You're supposed to take care of your parents and honor them. And that's, you know, that's an idea that the law is written on everyone's heart. Mm -hmm. And Christians have a desire to follow the moral aspect of the law. When we're changed and regenerated in Christ, we, we have a desire to follow this law and when we don't, we don't feel good. Right. We know what we did, and we repent of it. That's the difference right there. And That's the whole point. That's we, sanctification working. Yeah, we, we have a desire for the law because it is perfect, and a lot of people don't like the law. Unbelievers don't like the law because they're not regenerated. That That, that is their, you know sinful state is against God and against his law. They don't see what it really is. It's true. So true. And the church needs to be better at, um, at describing that. And instead of trying to abolish the law altogether, say it's irrelevant or unhitch from it, <laughs> um, 
Instead, we need to harmonize the whole thing and say that God, God has instituted all these things that are in his word, and that you can't have gospel without the law, and you can't have law without the gospel. That's, that's what helps. And all too often, we get one without the other. Yep. Well, I mean, that's kind of my final thought on, on the, whole, the whole shebang here. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Mm, no. No, we, we, we beat tore, that dead horse. We tore it up. But, uh, so where can they find us? Well, they can find us on, let's go social media first. They can find us on the Facebook group. So just search uh, Guys with Bibles on Facebook. You'll see our awesome logo on there. So uh, click the request to join button and we'll get you in there. Uh, we just got a new a new member this this past week, actually, Stephanie. So hi, Stephanie. And she had emailed us a great question on baptism earlier. And uh, so we appreciate her getting in contact about that. Hopefully that was helpful, and, and hopefully uh, things are going well at church with you. Um, aside from Facebook, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Guys With Bibles. Same on Instagram. And um, so there's always something going on over there also. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever the Google podcast market is called now and on pretty much all of the main podcatcher apps that you could possibly think of. You'll find us on there. Um, and then you should also check out our website, guyswithbibles.com. That is where you can uh, listen to the audio of our episodes if you aren't a podcast subscriber type. Uh, And you can also read our blogs. Sean and I post blogs two a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, God willing. Uh, And as long as I remember to put them in (laughs) on the website and get them. Yeah, Lee. Sometimes I'm not very good at that. I admit that. I need to to repent. I need to not only repent of that and also repent of my repentance. So I'm... (laughs) I'm doing better with that. I really am. I'm, I'm trying to do better with that. I was organized a lot at one point, and then I just kind of lost it. Uh, oh, and then also you can email us at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And keep the emails coming. We love uh, interacting with listeners and readers, and, and we really do take what you say seriously, and usually we end up having a pretty good conversation. So feel free to get yep. in touch. Hey, man. All right. Well... This is Guys with Bibles, and we're out.